You are listening to audio from Harvest Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church, connect with us online at myharvestchurch.com. And now for today's sermon. Just one quick announcement before we start diving into the Word uh, this morning. And uh, I just want to throw out there again, uh, if you haven't signed up for our Christmas Eve services, uh, please make sure that you do so. Um, Space is limited. We cannot guarantee seats unless you sign up. But um, Christmas Eve services, we're looking at hosting two, one at 9 a.m., and one at 5 p.m. Since Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year, we thought it best to offer one again at 9 a.m. For those of you who are used to a normal Sunday morning uh, uh, worship time, then that can be the Christmas Eve service time that works for you, and likewise the 5 p.m. service. But please make sure that you and your family members are signed up. Uh, Again, space is limited. We're going to try and offer overflow downstairs, but again, sign up, reserve your seats for you and your family. Over the past couple weeks, we've been discussing our new church name and the biblical precedence behind our church name. Week one, we discussed the the, the biblical meaning behind the uh, scripture in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, where Jesus says to pray for harvest workers. He never denied that there was a harvest. Sometimes we look at the culture around us and we get discouraged saying, oh man, you know, there, there could be no good that comes from this and it, it's just too far gone. And it's very interesting because in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looks at the culture. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd wandering. He's going about the uh, area and he's performing healing healings and miracles, and yet he looks at this this populace that is in need and has a lot of issues, and he said, it's harvest time. Absolutely incredible. And then he said to pray for harvest workers, and as we discussed in week one, it's kind of humorous because I believe that Jesus has jokes because he looks and he goes, all right, disciples, I want you to pray for, for the harvest workers. They get done praying, and he says, okay, now go. And it's incredible because it's teaching us a principle that you and I are put on this this earth to serve him. We're we're harvest workers. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're a harvest worker. And last week we discussed that a majority of our church culture, the vision for Harvest Church is centered around spiritual growth. Our values, mission statement, core values as a church are centered around the principles of growing in Christ. It's why our church mission statement is to reach the lost and grow the found. To grow the found. We recognize that that Jesus didn't just call us to make converts, church. Come on, somebody. He called us to make disciples. There's a vast difference between introducing someone to Jesus, saying, okay, you accepted, and leaving them. You're forgetting the follow-up process, discipleship. So much of our culture and vision uh, of Harvest Church deals with growth, not just numerically, because we recognize that when God's on the move, he'll add the numbers. But we're talking about spiritual growth, coming to know him, and then going deeper in our relationship with him. Today, I want to talk to you about a key person that will lead our church in growth, a person that I believe in many ways breathes life into the church, and that's the Holy Spirit. If you've ever experienced something weird in church, it's probably been blamed on the Holy Spirit. 
If you've ever experienced a dead church where there isn't any life, it's probably because there was no Holy Spirit. If you've ever experienced a powerful service where your perspective and heart were touched and changed, you probably felt a move of the Holy Spirit. We as a church are called to a place of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I had somebody kindly ask me one time, they said, why do you Pentecostals? For those of you who aren't aware, that's what our, we are, we're Pentecostals. Why do you Pentecostals? And I always say it like a swear word too, Pentecostals. Why do you guys place so much emphasis on the Holy Spirit? We place emphasis on the Holy Spirit because Scripture places emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his disciples to go and do the same work of the ministry that he was doing. Imagine spending time physically with Jesus, seeing him unlock deaf ears, open blind eyes, and on many accounts, raising the dead to life, and him looking at you, imagine, and saying, okay, go do it. Deer in headlights, just. But then he says, don't worry, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the helper that will lead you in the same ministry, not a knockoff brand of ministry. You know, yesterday at our membership class, we had this conversation and I had to laugh on my Facebook feed a couple weeks ago, this meme popped up. Don't you just love some memes? I mean, they just get you, right? There's one that, that popped up and, and it said, be aware because there will be many false prophets in my name. And it was a tower of knockoff brands of Dr. Pepper. It was like Dr. Thunder, Dr. Bob. And I just feel like, you know, when, the, when, when Jesus ascended, that sometimes we fall into this misunderstanding that he left us, left us a knockoff brand of his ministry. He didn't. He left us the same spirit that led him in the ministry that he performed here. Come on, somebody. The real deal. The Holy Spirit isn't a knockoff brand. He's the authentic ministry of Jesus Christ. The Bible places emphasis on the ministry and anointing of the Holy Spirit. I, I heard someone one time, they, were, they had said, you know, well, the Holy Spirit, he, he's a New Testament concept. First, he's person concept. We'll get back to that. He said he's a New Testament concept, and he, he was in the Old Testament, and, and as a matter of fact, that's false. He was, he was involved in the creation process in Genesis. He was actually hovering over the waters. And we see emphasis placed on the Holy Spirit, not just in the book of Acts, but from Genesis to Revelation, there is emphasis on the Holy Spirit. The Bible places emphasis on the ministry and anointing of the Holy Spirit since the beginning of the Old Testament. Moses carried the anointing of the Holy Spirit. David conquered a giant because he had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Samson carried the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what's really intriguing about Samson is we often picture someone who's jacked. Anybody else? Like we often picture someone who is big in stature. There are many Bible scholars who argue, though, that he was not a big man. And that is what puzzled his enemies. Where did his strength come from? 
the anointing of the Holy Spirit, hair if you want to get technical, but that's a story for another day. Elijah captivated the attention of Elisha when Elisha first felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah was empowered and led by a supernatural wisdom brought to him by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on and on. Jesus continually placed emphasis on the Holy Spirit in the New Testament various times, giving his disciples a taste of the ministry that was yet to come. And when he sends them out to pray and deliver people from demonic possession and oppression and performing healings and carrying this authority, they, they see... When we see this gift of the Holy Spirit given to us in the book of, of Acts and, and we see the Holy Spirit moving in the disciples and Jesus is saying, go in this power. He's teaching the disciples and us something. He was teaching his disciples of the ministry that was yet to come and, and that yet to come, that, that time, that in between it is now. We're experiencing it. We have the Holy Spirit. Then Paul, after offering correction to a church, which was a fairly normal part of his ministry, God bless him, he closes his letter out in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 by saying this, bringing about a, a Trinitarian view, by the way, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the Son, and the love of God, there's the Father, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit, the Trinity represented be with you all. And I love that he says and reiterates the point that our relationship with Jesus is meant to be a, a, a continually having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but, but, but seasons in life, you know, they're, they're ever changing. And as our family grows and as our, our girls get older, um, one of the things that, that Facebook does to just rip my heart out is when Facebook memories pop up. Anybody else? Those cruel jerks. And I'll get a picture of my girls just from last year. And you see how much they've grown. And, and it's just like, man, the, the changing of, of seasons in life. And maybe there's pictures that show up of, of people that you once had relationship with, but you've drifted apart. And, and I'm reminded in this scriptural verse where, where Paul says to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that we weren't intended to just have fellowship with the Holy Spirit for a season, but we're meant to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit for the entirety of our life. Paul reiterates the importance of the ministry work of the Holy Spirit and so beautifully says not just getting together with the Holy Spirit, not just experiencing Him, the Holy Spirit, but may you have continual fellowship and relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. What I'm getting at this morning, church, is this. The vision is that Harvest Church would be a church that seeks, embraces, and yields to the Holy Spirit. Allow me to summarize this. If you're wondering the direction that our church is heading and, and what the five-year vision entails of our church, it's this. Harvest Church will be a Holy Spirit-led church. It's who we are. This morning, I would like to go over with you 10 markings of a Holy Spirit-led church. I'm going to be giving five of these markings today, and you're going to have to come back next week for the other five. So please make sure that you come back. If not, we'll find you. Um, 
And I want to also throw this out there. When we say Harvest Church will be a Holy Spirit-led church, I want us to understand who is the church. So what we're talking about is you and I being Holy Spirit-led. A Spirit-empowered church, number one, is passionate about God's presence. A Spirit-empowered church, if we're going to achieve this goal of being a Holy Spirit-empowered and led church, we have to understand that we've got to be passionate about His presence. And isn't it amazing that any time we talk about the Holy Spirit or do a sermon series about the Holy Spirit, that He shows up before we get to the Word and starts preparing our hearts? Have you felt that this morning? It never fails. The two most anointed times at our church is number one, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit or do a series on the Holy Spirit. Number two, whenever we preach or teach about missions, there's always an anointing that is so noticeable when those two categories are brought up. And I love it because those two categories complement each other because as you know, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit so that they could be sent out to perform the missional work of Jesus. Isn't it amazing that every time we talk about one of those topics, that it seems to capture the attention of heaven and God reveals himself in a new way to us. In the Old Testament, the only place that you could experience his presence was, of course, the tabernacle. You could also look at that as some form of a temple, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term tabernacle, where only one select individual, the priest, could go in and experience the presence and closeness of God. And then Paul teaches us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. If you're following with your uh, uh, scripture this morning, Godspeed, friend. We're going to be hopping around a lot says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? You have to understand, hit the pause button. You've got to understand how revolutionary these words were to an external concept. That is all that the people of God knew was an external concept that you had to go to a specific sacred place. You had to perform various sacrifices. And even then, unless you were the elect priest, you could not go in and experience what we just experienced as a church on a Sunday chilly morning in November. It was an external concept. And then Paul completely revolutionizes this understanding by saying, your bodies are now the sacred place in which the Holy Spirit resides. Wow. The concept of sacred is lost in our culture because nothing is sacred anymore. And he comes in and says that your bodies are now the sacred place where the Holy Spirit resides, who is in you, whom you have received from God. Do you not know that is what he's saying? He says, you are not your own. You've been bought at a price. A Holy Spirit-led church has come to understand that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God that dwells in us, and all we have to do is call out to God, and it's not like He was far from us and then He appears. The reality is, is that He's in us and reveals Himself to us. A Holy Spirit-led church can, can, has to understand this, but, but they also we have to also seek passionately God and His presence and welcome His unmistakable presence. We must do this in our life, our church services, small groups, Bible studies, in our every 
day. A spirit-led church, they approach each day with a readiness to hear God's voice. A readiness to sense His guidance and obey Him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides in you. A spirit-led church is marked by the presence of God. When you hear things, and you know that the Holy Spirit-led church is marked by the presence of God, when you hear things like this, why am I crying? You know that a church has been marked by the presence of God when first-time visitors are coming in and they're saying, I'm feeling something. You know that a church is marked and led by the Holy Spirit when before we even get to the Word of God, we're encountering Jesus at the altar. It's a powerful thing to experience the presence of God. A spirit-led church, though, understands this. They don't just dwell in his presence, they carry his presence. A spirit-empowered church, number two, takes this spirit empowerment outside of the church. The New Testament provides accounts where the Holy Spirit's leading and anointing and ministering to leads to the disciples engaging in street ministry, in various homes, sitting at unfamiliar dinner tables, going to prisons, experiencing the Holy Spirit on ships, on roads, in the marketplace, and the list goes on. The Spirit did not restrict His work, hear me, the Spirit does not restrict His work to sacred what we review as sacred places because after all we are now the sacred place now there is something powerful when the body of christ comes together hungry acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this jesus but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and to the end of the earth a part of the primary purpose behind the Holy Spirit and what He does is that we, so that we are empowered to do the work of Jesus outside of the church walls. In Scripture, where God's people went, they went full of the Spirit. When there are unusual seasons of spiritual challenges, they are actually opportunities for the Holy Spirit-filled believers to walk in that authority. Can I say something a little blunt? I'm going to say it anyways. The church of 2023 needs all of the gifts that God has provided for it. He calls us not just to survive times of suffering. He calls us to thrive. And when I think of individuals who take spirit empowerment with them, I, I, I can't help but think of, you know, Pastor Paul, who was here for, for Veterans Day and shared this story of walking up to a stranger in a grocery store and saying, I want you to know that the Lord told me to tell you that, that he loves you. And this person puzzled steps back and goes, what did you say to me? And he comes to find out that this person was praying that morning saying, God, I just need to know that you're there. Pastor Paul walks up to them in the grocery store because he felt like the Lord was saying, go to a man with a red jacket. Finds a man in the red jacket, just absolutely incredible. I know of another individual who, they were at the, uh, uh, the place of 7-Eleven. 
walk into the 7-Eleven, which is not as good as Wawa, by the way. They walk around the wannabe Wawa. They find this individual, and he feels the Holy Spirit tell him to go to that person and just talk to him. He's like, I don't know what to talk about. So he goes up and he goes, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but I felt like the Lord told me to come to you and to just talk to you. And you know how sometimes things don't always go as you imagine? This is one of those times. And this person looked and said, get away from me. Okay. Steps back for a moment. And as they walk away, kind of confused, because sometimes church, we're just called to plant seeds, but we don't get to see the fruit. And I think that that should be all of the hope of every believer is that the fruit outlives our lives. And so as he's walking out, prepared to just say, okay, maybe I planted a a seed of offense. (laughs) (laughs) He, He hears some sniffling going on and turns around and the lady is crying. He walks over, having somewhat misinterpreted the situation, thinking that he was going to lead this person to Christ, but now feels compelled to just pray for them. Walks over and says, I know that I've offended you, and I'm sorry for that. That wasn't my intention. Is it okay if I pray with you? And this person reluctantly looks and says, okay. And for the next hour, they had beautiful conversations. The Holy Spirit He's not a theory to be studied. He's an experience to live by. And he offers us church empowerment, not so that you can just experience him on Sundays, but so that you and I can walk in that supernatural discernment and wisdom that he can only provide. Are you all with me this morning? We've been given power not to just sit in church. We've been given power, as the scripture just said, to be his witnesses. A spirit-empowered church, number three, relies on the Holy Spirit for preaching, teaching, and serving. A spirit-empowered church relies on the Holy Spirit for preaching, teaching, and serving. The Holy Spirit, again, He's not not a theory. He's an empowerment in which we're called to live in. No matter where you may find yourself serving here at Harvest Church, you need an anointing and an empowerment, and you need the helper of the third person of the Trinity. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go, then the helper, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come. If I do go, I'm going to send him to you. The Holy Spirit helps us in all areas of life. And I believe that a spirit-led church, that I, I believe this. I believe that a parking lot attendant is far better if they are led by the Holy Spirit than if they are not. I believe that a church greeter is far better if they are led by the Holy Spirit than, as opposed to if they are not. I believe that the kids' ministry needs all of the Holy Spirit that they can get. 
And every kids ministry worker said, I've just heard too many testimonies of individuals coming into this place and complimenting a parking lot. Or, by the way, can we give it up for our parking lot greeters who are, who are just so faithful on a weekly basis? Snow, hail, water, it doesn't matter, they are there. And I've just heard too many testimonies though, of people coming into this, this church and before they ever hear the sermon, they've already heard the testimony of someone's life out in the parking lot just through a greeting. And I know that they're not just complimenting our wonderful volunteers, but they're complimenting the Holy Spirit in them. A Spirit-empowered church, every area of ministry must be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He doesn't just help us in parts of our life. Amen, church? He helps us in all of life. When you rely on the Holy Spirit as you serve others, He will help work through you in ways that you never could have imagined. Uh, years ago, it, it's our habit that, or our practice that around the October time that, that we dive into a series that addresses you know, demonic practices, practices of the occult, so on and so forth. As you would imagine, in light of the, the uh, uh, holiday at the end of um, October, Halloween, we just try and equip the church around that time. And I remember a few years ago, there, there was a series that, 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 I, was, that I was preaching. I, I felt like it was birthed from the Holy Spirit, but have you ever questioned where it like, comes time to jump off the diving board and you're like, Lord, I sure hope this is you because otherwise this is going to be ugly. And it was, I was going through one of those days because I'm getting ready to preach this sermon and there's first time visitors who walk in the back. And I'm like, out of all the sermon series, Lord, the one about demons and angels and heaven and hell and, and demonic. <laughs> like out of all of the sermons, he brought them here today. And I'm sitting there and, and, and I'm so like, I'm like, okay, Lord. And I'm literally contemplating. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to preach this day. Lord, if you want to switch it up last minute, you just tell me and I'll go with it. It was a resounding no. <laughs> and I got to be honest, church, this is just the flesh side of Pastor Donnie that there are many sermons that are preached that I just hate preaching. And it is a battle because it's uncomfortable. And I knew that this was going to be one of those sermons. And, and as I'm Preaching through what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, I keep looking over at these first-time visitors because this was during a day and age in our church where you could tell who was new or not. And I, I'm looking over at them, trying to read their nonverbals, you know. And, just... <laughs> and I'm not getting any feedback, and I'm like, well... It's nice having new people today. They're never coming back. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> and after this sermon, I'm down here and I try and always make myself available. By the way, if I haven't gotten to know you, please come up after the service. I'd love to meet you. And I'm, and I'm standing here and this couple comes up and I'm like, great, here we go. 
they're coming up to tell me that we're freaks, that we are the Pentecostals that they've heard stories of. <laughs> and this is it. And thank God that the Holy Spirit helps us. And that he knows, that he knows that he communicates the things of God to us that we could never take credit for. Because if it was up to me, I would have switched the sermon series that day. This individual comes up and says how they have been searching for a church that preaches on topics like this. And that's how Dennis and Michelle Udicious ended up here at Harvest Church. He now serves on our board. Just recently, he's added to the school board over in Kutztown, by the way. And he's our youth ministry director. And since then, there have been teachers who have come to me and said, hey, I have some new people in my class, in my Bible study, but here's the topic. Should I switch it? And I've got to tell them the story about Dennis Michelle where I'm like, don't you dare. Because God knows. Church, we could never take credit for things like that. It's just the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need him. Whether you're on our security team, whether you're working as a parking lot attendant, whether you're working in kids ministry, youth ministry, wherever you serve here. If you don't serve here yet, you need to serve. But wherever you serve, you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit takes ordinary occurrences and makes them extraordinary. When we ask the church, by the way, to serve, we're not asking you to fulfill a position. We're inviting you into a position to be used by the Holy Spirit in a dimension that you have yet to be used in. When we throw out that we're looking for opportunities for volunteers... We're not looking to just recruit and add bodies to the room because that would be disastrous. What we're inviting you into is to experience being used by God, hear me church, in a way that you will never experience if all you do is attend. When you step into positions of serving, you're opening your life up to be used by the Holy Spirit in a dimension that has yet to be discovered. A spirit-empowered church recognizes that the Holy Spirit, he helps with what? Everything. Number four, a spirit-empowered church. God-given spiritual gifts accompany the ministry. God-given spiritual gifts accompany the ministry. John chapter 14, verse 12, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, Jesus speaking, will do the works that I've been doing. And here's the part that we sometimes can get confused on when it comes to this passage. Jesus says, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. They will do even greater things than these. And this word right here trips us up sometimes, the greater. And again, think back to the miracles of Jesus. Like, Lord, you raised people from the dead. What could be greater than that? 
Jesus wasn't referring to greater as in, quant or as in quality. He was referring to greater as in quantity. Jesus was saying, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who's going to work not just in me, but me in all of you, wherever you are. He was talking about a greater propensity. With, what was Jesus talking about? He was, Jesus was, was assuming that you and I would seek and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was teaching us that greater means greater propensity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11 says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let me hit the pause button right there. If there has ever been an occurrence where somebody has said or done something in the name of the Holy Spirit and it caused you to be confused or damaged or hurt, that was not from the Spirit of God. That was man interrupting the Spirit of God. Because every definition in Scripture as it relates to the Holy Spirit is met with descriptions like this is given for the common, say this word with me. Good. Ready? One, two, three. Good. Any gift from the Father is good and does not harm or hurt us. There have been many things that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit, but haven't been from the Holy Spirit. Be cautious with that. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these works are of one and the same Holy Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And I want to just, I, I, one of these days, we're going to dive into this and we're going to give descriptions for each one of these gifts. But for today, I want to just clarify something that um, different kinds of tongues in this scriptural passage is in reference to kind of what the uh, early church discovered in Acts chapter two, where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they weren't going out and necessarily all of them speaking in a heavenly language. Many of them are, but not all of them. Some of them, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, were speaking a language that could be known to man, even though they had never been trained or taught that language. It baffled people. They sat back and said, how are they preaching to us in a language that we understand? And it's been really cool because I've had the opportunity to go on mission trips where someone starts speaking in what they believed in tongues, and here they were speaking in Spanish and didn't realize it and ministering to the room without knowing it. If you can explain that to me scientifically, I'd appreciate it, but until then, I'm going to just say it's God. different kinds of tongues. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, church. And they're supernatural gifts that are meant to be a part of our natural functioning as a church. They're not meant to be, not to, they're not meant to be rare occurrences. They're meant to be regular occurrences. 
And because these gifts don't just remain in you, the gifts that God gives all of us are for the church and the ministry work of Jesus. Sometimes, before the worship team comes forward and closes us out this morning, sometimes when the gifts operate in the church, we get a little nervous. And I understand that. As a pastor's kid who used to bring his friends to church and I would sit there and plead the blood of Jesus, please don't let sister so-and-so get up and give a prophetic message right now. Please don't let her. This is all. And the Lord would say, oh man. Here we go. And I've been a part of the conversations, I've referenced this before, where you're bringing first-time visitors to a church and you're giving them the lowdown. There's going to be an altar call. There's going to be someone in the back who gives a prophetic. And I just want you to know, and I've been a part of those conversations, which is a part of why, like, in our functioning through the gifts of the Spirit, we try and relinquish some of that awkwardness by always providing a teaching moment that explains what gift is about to be used. Because otherwise, it's like baptism without explanation is nothing more than dunking. It's very important that we always explain the gifts of the Holy Spirit and don't just assume that everybody knows what's happening. But sometimes whenever a prophetic word comes forward, we get nervous. Sometimes whenever there's moves of the Holy Spirit, we may get a little nervous again if we have friends or or first-time visitors that we've just met. Can I just challenge you with, with this one biblical thought? The world needs to experience the power and presence of God. Paul said that these gifts add validity to what we practice and teach. It's not that they take away. So I want to challenge you that if there's ever some nervousness that rises up in you, whenever the gifts of the Spirit begin to move, can I challenge you to pray for the people who need to experience that? Maybe they're experiencing it for the first time. Can I challenge you to try and shift and go from whoa, 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 whoa to yes, Lord. And I promise you, as the pastor of Harvest Church, that we will always ensure that the gifts of the Spirit are biblically done in a biblical order. Don't get nervous. Welcome his presence in. And number five, final point with this morning's service. Number five, a spirit-empowered church focuses on kingdom culture and therefore is countercultural. I want to say that again. Our focus, church, is on kingdom culture. We are most certainly going to be participating, as we've mentioned, in the March for Life in D.C. because we recognize that your voice needs to be heard in the public square. And there's no such thing as neutral politics. There's so many out there today who try and stop the church from casting their vote biblically because they're under the assumption that we're supposed to be this middle ground. You know, I I, I just I don't fully understand it because the reality is, is that there's no such thing as a neutral neutral worldview. And if the biblical worldview is not represented, then the sinful one will be represented and pushed forward. It is very important that you and I use our voice in the political realm for biblical principles. On that same note, 
we've got to balance this out and make sure that we don't become so politically focused that we forget about kingdom principles. We're not called primarily to politics. We are called primarily to Jesus. I do not align myself with very many political parties. And a part of the reason why that is, is because political parties change. Are there any federalists here this morning? I didn't think so. Political parties will come and go. Whenever it comes time to vote, I align myself with whoever's the most biblical. I will always align myself with Jesus Christ. We must always align ourselves with Jesus over everything. Kingdom culture. So by saying, by telling you here this morning, church, that we're going to be a church, a spirit-empowered church that focuses on kingdom culture, let me just clear something up. That is my polite way of saying that you're going to look different than the world. You're going to handle relationships differently than the world. You're going to celebrate certain things and occasions and holidays differently than the world. Your house is going to be marked by a different set of values whenever you compare it to the world. You will be uh, the odd one out when coworkers are telling you on Monday morning about what they did over the weekend. It means that when wives and husbands are getting around each other as friend groups and it's become a popular thing to bash one's spouse in the presence of friends and making jokes about your spouse's foolish mistakes. It means this. It means that you're going to be outside of that standard, clinging to a more kingdom-minded standard that talks about you serving your spouse and always being uplifting in your speech and your conduct. It means that you are going, your vote and your voice in this world is going to be determined by a biblical set of values over a political parties always. And, and that's perfectly fine so long as these things and these stances are done through the fruit of the Holy Spirit and not in an exasperating, overbearing, sarcastic, and rude manner. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to throw out and be trampled on underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify you and give you credit. Come on, church. Say it out loud. Your Father in heaven. We often think of being countercultural counter -cultural as removing ourselves completely from culture. That's not it. Being the light of the world is to remain in the world, but you're still casting light out of your relationship with Jesus. Church, if we are going to win people to Jesus in these last days, we're not going to win them by hiding in our, in our camp encampments at our homes and preparing for the Lord you know, to come back and just saying whatever happens to them happens. Come on, somebody. You and I are called to be a light in the world. When I think of people who are countercultural, I, I, I can't help but... But think of this couple, this ministry couple, Tyler and Sandy, where 
on Halloween, they turn their front yard into a Bible game show. And the only way that kids can get candy is if they answer questions about the Bible. <laughs> I love it. And if kids don't have any, don't know the answers to biblical questions, they say, okay, then you have to ask me about something that I believe. And their yard on Halloween becomes a ministry stomping ground. I love it. Another couple, every Christmas season, they put this, this sign up. Did you know that the candy cane was actually invented by a born-again Christian? Did you know that? Yes. I didn't know that till like two years ago. Do we have that picture? Okay. So here's the sign that they put up, and I, I understand it might be a little bit hard to see. J is for Jesus. The red shows Jesus died for us, and the white shows that our hearts are pure with Jesus. The J represents the staff of the good shepherd who is our Lord and Savior. And they put this sign up, not that people are going to get saved right away as they see it and, you know, they did a drive-by witnessing. They do it to start conversations, and my goodness, the conversations that they start with their neighbors. They've turned their properties into church ministries. And I can't help but feel like church that this is such a beautiful example of what it is to be countercultural. It doesn't mean that we hide from the world around us. It means that we bring Jesus into the world and we're still maintaining our salt and our light. Come on, somebody. Would you stand with me this morning? And this is going to be our unofficial, official closing. And if we could go back to that song that we played before, Waymaker, that would be beautiful. Love that one. The question that I want to ask you as we close out this morning's service is this. Have you made room for the Holy Spirit? In your life, have you made intention, have you set aside intentional time to get away from everything else where it's just you and the Holy Spirit? Have you come to the point of recognizing that, friend, like if you're going to continue on to live in victory and carry authority and make a difference in this world, you're going to need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Have you made room in your life to seek and to know and to dive deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm going to be closing our service out with a, a word of prayer. And then here's what we're doing. If you feel led to stay, you stay. We're going to open the altars back up. I'm, I'm, uh, prayer team, you have the day off. This is just the altars being open. One, because the altar represents a place of sacrifice, but it also represents a place of encounter because you'll often find that the two go hand in hand. Where there is sacrifice, there is encounter. And we need to recognize, church, that sacrifice is still required of us. It's not an Old Testament concept. And I want to challenge you. Would you sacrifice some time today and dive deeper into your experience, into your relationship with the Holy Spirit? If this is completely new to you and you're like, I don't know if this is real, test me on it. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Test it. Get alone with God. Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? I 
dare you to ask those words. I dare you to seek him. But this morning, church, this is simply an exercise in becoming a Holy Spirit-led church, maintaining that status of we're here and we're led by him. So I'm going to pray over us, and then the worship team is going to pick worship back up. If you have some time, you have until 11 o'clock. And even then, second service is always late, so you have till 11.15. I want to challenge you to get alone with God and seek the Holy Spirit. He'll wreck you. He'll change your life. He'll restore you. He'll help you with those difficult things. Would you bow with me? And if you're ready to just pursue the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you just lift your hands up on high one more time? Dear Heavenly Father, we invite you into this place. Would you reveal yourself to us in a greater way? Holy Spirit, come in power. Come with conviction. Come and and, and heal, Lord Jesus. We recognize that, that your Holy Spirit brings about healing, Lord, which is a gift from you and that he's the sender. And so, Lord, would you send healing into this place and restoration. And Father, we just want to be led by you and not ourselves because we recognize here this morning, church, in your own words, would you begin to cry out to him before we even start coming to the altar? In your own words, whatever it is that you're seeking from him, whatever it is that you're desiring to experience, in your own words, I can't invite him into your life for you. You've got to do it. Come have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team, would you lead us? Church, the altars are open. This has been an audio recording from Harvest Church. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church or get connected, please visit us online at myharvestchurch.com or email us at info at myharvestchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.